Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Brain Droppings Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Show, taking you for the next 60 minutes or so as we explore the shit that rattles around inside my fucking brain. Um, if you don't live under a rock or in a cave, you are more than well aware that the news that is dominating the cycle over the course of the last three weeks to a month has been the emergence of the global pandemic, best known as the coronavirus, which is also deemed COVID-19 to describe the symptoms and effect of the virus on the human body. That being said, we are going to dedicate a good portion of the hour uh, touching on subjects like how we handle self-quarantining, what's open, what's closed, and what you should do in regards to social distancing, as well as taking care of those that are in your house, your loved ones, the elderly, um, and, and basically learning to live in a community devoid of doomsday prepping and hoarding, which have been two topics that I kind of touched on a little bit with uh, my guest host in the last episode, Joel Pavone. But I'm going to expand upon a little bit today because I've had some more personal uh, experiences visiting grocery stores and drug stores over the course of the weekend. Um, we'll also discuss where you need to be going to get the most accurate information in regards to this global pandemic. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm sure we'll try to impart a little bit of humor in there uh, as we talk about some of the sadder subjects, which are the financial impact on service workers, as well as the financial impact on our economy as this global pandemic continues. I'll be back after the break. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cock your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault, but couldn't tell you. Yesterday, you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it, now I'll watch the hood wink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. I summon fish to the dish, although I like the shallow Swiss. I like the sushi because it's never touched a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes. Be like Leanne Rhymes because I'm all about value. Burt Camper's got the mad hits. You try to match wits. You try to hold me, but I bust through. Sorry, I cannot listen to that fucking song without continuing that verse. So as I said right off the top, I am um, doing this podcast on March 16th, and you are listening to the Brain Droppings Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. Uh, not sure what exactly we're going to title this, but I can tell you that a vast majority of the hour is going to be spent discussing the coronavirus. Um, and, you know, we'll work through all the issues that, you know, are pressing the, the prominent news stories and where exactly, you know, we as the, the global community, um, what we can do in regards to our part to try to lessen the burden on the economic system, uh, the healthcare system, as well as our own individual, you know, need for connection with others in our world. Uh, we've been basically restricted now to social distancing. Restaurants and bars are closing. Um, social gatherings are being capped at 25. And let's be honest, you don't really want to go to a social gathering right now. I mean, internally, instinctually, you do because we're a connective species. However, I think the overriding uh, belief that it's harmful or potentially harmful to your long-term health is enough to keep people away. So what does that leave us with? It leaves us with social media. It leaves us with Facebook, with Twitter, with Snapchat, Instagram, uh, TikTok, you name it. I'm going to do my best over the course of the next couple of weeks as we uh, continue to do this quasi self-quarantine um, to try to bring in some guest hosts onto the podcast to discuss you know, personal anecdotal stories, or maybe we do a divergence back into sports, something to, to try to help fill this void and entertain you as you listen to our podcast and we continue on down this path. So right off the top, when we're talking about sports, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk on the number one subject that came out today, which was that baseball is heating the CDC's want for an extended period of social distancing. So we're looking now at opening day for Major League Baseball not starting uh, prior to May 11th. So, you know, some people say, well, what exactly does that mean? Well, if the baseball season was to, to start on March 25th, and you're talking about May 11th for resumption of play, 
is that resumption of play or is that resumption of baseball activities? And in retrospect, I think we're looking at best case scenario, an 82 game season for Major League Baseball with a complete playoff and World Series run. Um, The other major sports, whether it be NBA, NHL, MLS, um, none of them have indicated when a true return to play would be. And I think they're all still trying to figure out arena scheduling, uh, regular season scheduling to make it as fair as possible, specifically where you have tight races in existing seasons that were halted due to the coronavirus uh, pandemic as it has struck the United States. And it'll be interesting to see exactly where this all plays out over the course of time. But I just did want to give you that little piece of news. As always, when it comes to the global pandemic, um, a.k.a. the coronavirus, it is extremely important that you maintain a consistent avenue for accurate, non-rumored information. And the best avenues to accomplish that, first and foremost, is cdc.gov. That's C as in Charlie, D as in David, C as in Charlie, dot G as in George, O as in Oscar, V as in Victor, and that's cdc.gov. The other one is Health and Human Services, as well as your uh, daily briefings with the Coronavirus Task Force, led by Vice President Mike Pence. These are probably the most direct communications you could potentially get with the most accurate information to better better serve you, the individual, in understanding where exactly some of these changes are transpiring. I'm a great avenue uh, to get the information as to tell you where to go, but outside of what I'm trumpeting, which is nothing more than what the CDC and Department of Health and Human Services is projecting out, um, I would suggest you utilize just those outlets because You know, so many times when we go online, you can go down rabbit holes and then end up in conspiracy theories on top of lies, on top of rumors, on top of rhetoric, on top of propaganda. So you want to try to avoid that as best as possible. Um, Another thing I figured we'd talk about in regards to the coronavirus uh, outbreak and scare as a whole is just talking about you know, steps for personal protection. And listen, I get it. If you're in your 20s or your 30s and you're healthy or 40s and you're healthy and you're thinking, you know, if this isn't going to be any worse than a mild case or a severe case of the flu, what the hell am I so worried about? It's not about you. It's about those that are not capable of warding off this virus. It's those that have compromised immune systems, those that have underlying pulmonary issues, whether that be lungs or heart, uh, people with asthma, people with severe allergies that this would just compound and get on top of. So social distancing is a very big step in what they're deeming flattening the curve. And all that really relates to is the spike. That spike when they look at new cases developed, and we do have a little bit of preliminary data to look at because we can look at how the virus expanded in Italy. Um, By utilizing social distancing, we afford ourselves the opportunity to not overwhelm our health system. Um, Yes, is it true that the Surgeon General and uh, Dr. Andrew Fauci from CDC Infectious control are both saying that within a year's time, 70% of the United States population will have already had the coronavirus. That's absolutely true. I believe it. Um, It seems like an extremely communicable virus. Um, So keeping our social distance affords the healthcare system to catch up to the need. So six feet, that's the best way to put it. You know, if you can use a drive-through, use a drive-through. If you can you know, pick off hours to go to your grocery store, pick off hours to go to your grocery stores. If you can negate non-essential travel, and those of you that have listened to my podcast over the course of the last year plus, you know I travel a shit ton for work. I'm on planes every fucking week. Um, I'm not a worry ward. I'm not a chicken little, sky's falling kind of guy, but I do believe in doing things for the 
betterment of others. So with that in mind, I canceled the trip that I had planned for this week. I canceled the trip I have planned for next week. And I cleared my schedule after that until further notice. A lot of the face-to-face appointments that I have are relationship building in nature um, and uncovering new and interesting opportunities. But in this current um, state that we find ourselves in, I'm not sure there's a ton of opportunity out there. And a lot of these calls, these visits, can also be done through teleconference, through WebEx, Zoom, um, whatever your your preferred method is, Skype, it doesn't matter. Um, I have them all available to me. It's just a matter of implementing them into my daily schedule and kind of getting away from airplanes and airports and just areas in which I run a higher risk of either getting the virus and becoming a transmitter of it through either being asymptomatic, which is the lack of all symptoms, or getting a mild case, or even, you know, worst case scenario, getting a severe case. My odds for a severe case are limited because I'm in excellent physical health. I have excellent, um, I have no underlying health issues. I'm about, you know, my weight's in check, my activity level's in check. It's an, it's not something I'm overly worried about for me personally, but I do worry about those in my community. I worry about those that I either secondarily or three times removed have an opportunity to potentially impact, and that's just not my idea of fun. So if you can create a six-foot bubble around you, and I don't mean like the guy in fucking Italy that's, you know, the image was circling the internet over the course of the weekend. He cut a a four-foot diameter cardboard circle with suspenders to demonstrate what you know, social distancing is, and that's great and all, but the easiest way to put it is if you don't have to leave your house, don't, don't fucking leave the house. There's no reason to, if you need to go out and get groceries, I get it. Go get your groceries and then take the necessary precautions. Almost every grocery store in America prior to the breakout of the coronavirus had sanitizing wipes. Just nobody used them. You just went in and grabbed your cart and continued on. So use the wipe. Most of them have hand sanitizers as well throughout the store. Use that. Complete your shopping go home, wash your hands yet again. And I would suggest that you, you know, if you don't understand the proper way to wash your hands and listen, you're not alone. I, 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 you know, I wash my hands like a normal person more often than not, but it wasn't until I looked at the, um, CDC's recommendations for hand washing that I realized a, I wasn't doing it long enough and B, I wasn't doing it correctly. Um, so my suggestion to you is either go on cdc.gov to figure out proper steps for hand sanitization or, uh, Google or YouTube, a video on surgeons scrubbing in for surgery. So you can see how they wash their hands. Now you don't have to go all the way to the elbow wrists are fine for this. Um, but at least you get a good idea as to how um, aggressive you need to be. Time frame, they're saying at least 20 seconds. I say, you know, what's the harm in going 40, right? You know, just double up, do whatever you can. Um, make sure you're washing them frequently, as frequently as possible. Avoid crowds. I mean, we're, we're, we're entering a realm in which the, the local and state governments are actually mandating the closure of dine-in restaurants and opening it to just takeout and delivery. They're doing that for a reason because we can't self-regulate, which is so terrible as a society to look back and say, I need the government to shut down the restaurants and bars because I'm too stupid to not go in them. Um, Use hand sanitizer whenever you can. Carry it with you if you have it. If If you weren't a victim of some asshole hoarding it all, between, you know, Thursday of last week and Saturday of this week. Um, And do your very best to be cognizant of and to avoid touching your face, to include your eyes, nose, mouth, ears, chin, beard, whatever it is. Because if you have the virus on your hand and then you put it in your beard, it's going to live there for a little bit before you then either pass it on to somebody or you know, find a, a an open mucus entry port within your own face, which would be your eyes, nose, and mouth. So make sure you're taking care of that. Um, we've seen a lot of other precautionary measures taken by local, state, and federal governments with the closure of many schools. I live in New Hampshire. Everybody knows that. Um, it The news story broke for us right around uh, the final bell for dismissal on Friday from high school 
where we got a note saying that starting Monday, there would be remote learning. Um, if you don't know what remote learning is, get a little educated. It's basically online classes, um, which means kids will be at home, asked to stay inside, not hanging out with their friends. This is not an opportunity to capitalize on the low airfare and low resort and hotel rates throughout the country and take your family on a, on a impromptu vacation. This is the time where they're going to need to do learning. Um, some states, as I mentioned, are closing dine-in restaurants and bars. Others are imposing curfews. Uh, retailers like Apple and Nike, and there's a, there's a full list of them, um, have decided to close their brick-and-mortar stores until further notice. And they're doing that in order to, again, help us regulate. 24-hour Walmarts are now closing at 11, and I think you're going to see an update on that in the coming days as well. Um, but they're closing at 11 so that they can implement additional steps for um, sanitization and restocking. Uh, people are being encouraged to stay home, cancel all non-essential travel. We touched on that. And to quote the, uh, the lead CDC virologist, um, Andrew Fauci, prepare to hunker down for an extended period of time. What he means by that is it's time we, we stop going out and, and going in with a mentality that I'm not going to get it, I'm going to be fine. Because I had that mentality. You know, I, I, I do. I'm healthy. I don't give a shit. But the problem is, it's not about me. It's about others. So why is it all necessary? As I mentioned earlier, it's all about flattening the curve, making sure that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system, which, mind you, on a good day is already not at capacity, but pretty damn close, and nurses are stretched thin and doctors are stretched thin. So if we have an opportunity to, you know, assist in not taking all beds, taking all ventilators, and, you know, basically overwhelming uh, the nurses, doctors, and, and support staff at hospitals, then we need to do that. So what's next? You know, where do we go from here? Well, if we abide by the recommendation of the CDC, we'll see the infection rate eventually start to slow. And that affords the research sector time to develop a vaccine. Um, I heard on the news today that the first vaccine has gone into human trials, which is an unprecedentedly quick turnaround for a vaccine. Um, that's the good news. The bad news is we won't see widespread vaccination, provided this is successful in human trials. We won't see widespread vaccinations for coronavirus for another 12 to 18 months at the earliest. That's to get through the trials, evaluate the data, write the research papers, submit for mass production, scale it to mass production, create the vaccine, and then distribute. This is not a quick fix, folks. There's 300 million people in the United States. It's going to take a while. We need to be patient. Do I feel like the number of new cases will slow? It'll slow. Um, I do. I do believe that. I just believe that it's going to change the way we perceive everyday life moving forward. Um, There's a lot of opportunity there. I mean, we could talk about this forever. And I'm not sure I'm bringing much more to the table than what I've already given you. So that's the first 20 minutes of the podcast. They're typically an hour, 20 minutes on the coronavirus. Uh, last thing I'll let you know is uh, the self-quarantining social distancing that I'm practicing at home because I'm afforded the opportunity to work from home regularly. So it's no big whoop for me to, to actually be at the house today. Um, but I will tell you that, you know, I can see this long term being a bit of a pain in the ass, so to speak. I didn't really go out much today. I did use the precautions when I did. But, I mean, today's run was for wine. <laughs> Who am I lying? I'm a sucker for Prosecco. Call me a bitch. I don't care. I love that wine. Put bubbles in my wine. I like bubbles in my water. I want bubbles in my wine. So that's why I went out today. But like I said, um... It's about enough of that. Let's talk about some other things that are transpiring. Uh, in the sports world, there's a lot of big news today. There's a blockbuster trade in the NFL that saw DeAndre Hopkins leave the Houston Texans and head over to the Arizona Cardinals um, for uh, David Johnson and a couple other picks and some picks. You know, big, big names switching teams. 
Patriots seem to whiff on Jimmy Graham. Um, he signed with the Bears today. And, you know, beyond that, a couple other guys here and there. Kyle Van Noy for the New England Patriots, one of my favorite linebackers um, of recent history, is now a Miami Dolphin. But the, the writing was on the wall. Kyle Van Noy had himself a hell of a couple years. Two rings, three appearances, um, just developed as a player. And he, he's, you know, he commands the 51 mil, I think, he just got in a contract with the Dolphins. Um, and I knew the Patriots weren't going to pay him that kind of money for that. Just that Kyle Van Noy is that Patriot mentality type player. So it'd be sad to see him leave. But that was really the uh, the news around the world in sports. I'm trying to think of what else I can bring to the podcast tonight. I mean, I'd hate to just cap it at like 30 minutes and go, hey, we're done. Coronavirus and a little bit of news in the um, the NFL. Okay, speaking of sports, I invited a uh, regional, local um, hot taker, social media uh, person to co-host my podcast with me. I think it would be a fun one, at least from following this person on Twitter and uh, TikTok the 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 takes that you get are they're good but the person also does a great job of opening themselves up in a, a smart way to to generate interest and to to create a connection uh with the people that read their tweets and unfortunately uh i have not heard back i've now asked twice and i don't fucking beg so if you don't want to be on my podcast, that's cool. Grow a set and at least say thanks for the offer, but I'm going to pass. Um, but in the same breath, I get it. A lot of people have a lot of shit going on, specifically with that thing that we're not going to mention anymore in the podcast. I understand it. Everybody's kind of got a different um, priority list. I'd like to to pump out as many of these with no sports. I have no post games to do for the Celtics, so I'd I'd rather just crank out good content on here. Um, heard a couple of jokes I'll share with you. Very inappropriate. So if you're not good with dirty jokes, um, you can stop listening. If you like a good dirty joke, there's Johnny and a teacher says to Johnny, Hey Johnny, there's four birds on that power line over there. If you shoot one with a gun, how many birds are left? And Johnny says none. And she says, no, the correct answer is four. And he said, no, there's none. If I shoot that one, the other three, the others are going to fly away. And she said, okay, that's not the right answer, but I like the way you're thinking. And so Johnny says, hey, teacher, I got a question for you. And she says, what's that? He said, uh, there's three women at a table. One sucks, one blows, one licks. Who's married? And she kind of bristles a little bit, you know, the inappropriateness of the question. And she says, Johnny, um, I, I, I don't know, the, the sucks? And he goes, no, the one with the wedding ring, but I like the way you think. Um, so that's one of my jokes for tonight. Waka, waka, waka. I give credit to the internet troll who came up with it, but I have no idea where I saw it. And then I saw it everywhere. So it doesn't matter. Um, trying to think what else can we talk about in tonight's podcast or today's podcast? Is it even? Yeah, it's evening. Depends on where you're listening and what time I actually put this up. But yeah, let's call it evening for all those intensive purposes. Uh, funny things. Oh, Funny and political, I guess, a little bit. So last night, Sunday, the 15th of March, was the uh, mano mano Democratic national debate between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. And it was widely looked at through mass media channels as Bernie's last opportunity to really you know, make a stand, drag, you know, solidify his people while bringing in um, the opportunity to show that there's a definitive difference between the two. And I watched it and I watch all the debates. And I'll tell you, as somebody who has seen all of the Democratic debates this election cycle, it was probably the uh, the best, not the most entertaining because you got your Yang moment, you had your Camilla Harris moment, you had your Elizabeth Warren moments, um, but nothing really too spectacular came out of it. Other than going into it, I thought that Bernie Sanders had a phenomenal opportunity, phenomenal 
call back to season one, check out that episode where I turn it into a drinking game. Um, I thought he had a great opportunity to really, you know, Bernie Sanders at his core is a debater. Um, he's a master debater. Uh, no, he's a master at it. And uh, I thought that this this mano y mano, no audience, just the two candidates up on the stage, I thought that this was going to be Bernie's defining moment. I thought that this was going to be the opportunity that Bernie had to to really segregate himself from Joe and to really show the American people that not only is he a good leader, but he's also a good debater. And man, he laid an egg. I mean, even the most ardent Bernie supporter is going to have to say that the dude laid an egg. He looked angry, tired. Um, like it, it seemed like even when he was making a point, he seemed annoyed that he had to speak. I don't know what else to say. I haven't really mastered the Bernie Sanders uh, uh, impression yet. I'm working on it. It's a uh, it's a little bit like this. Joe, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly what we got to do here, and you're going to listen. But it's uh, it, there's more. I got to get more of a growl in there. I got to get that old man like, Ugh. like Joe, Joe. I say I can't do it. You got, I think that first time was probably my best, and I'll never be able to do a Joe Biden impression. Um, it's just not, you know, it's just not one that I can do. But that being said, um, Joe was smart. Didn't say a ton until he had to. I mean, did he have his gaffes? Sure. He called he called H1N1 N1H15 or something stupid like that. Um, he confused dates. He called SARS the swine flu. And um, uh, it just, it wasn't good. Um, but unfortunately, through that, Joe became the clear Democratic nominee for president. Whether Bernie gets any more delegates as the the primaries continue and whether or not they even hold the primaries at their scheduled times is to be determined. Uh, However, I I, I will tell you that um, Bernie didn't do well last night. Joe Joe looked more like the Democratic frontrunner. So prepare yourself, folks, following, you know, barring any type of massive coup in the Democratic Party. Looks like Joe Biden will be your representative in the 2020 general election against your president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, I'm pretty sure that sometime between July and November, there will be a series of debates. It should be interesting. Definitely one of those borderline made-for-TV movies. Um, it'll It'll be fun. I mean, Trump is quick on his feet. He might lie, but he's quick on his feet. He's quick to make things, you know, to make his statements. He's uh, he throws haymakers, and and you know, Joe Biden is a career statesman. He is a career politician. Um, he's for the Democrats. He's a safe bet. Although in this debate last night with Bernie, he did go out and say that he was going to pick. Uh, a female running mate. He was going to appoint a female African-American woman to the Supreme Court. He was going to grant citizenship to um, all the DACA people. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, when we start promising and we do this in our, in our own lives too, we, sometimes we appease people. We'll promise the moon and the stars. No, we're going to, you know, we're going to deliver the treetops and the trunks. But we do it anyways, and it's a question of, you know, why do we do it? What do, what, what, what do we think we're accomplishing? And what we're doing is we're doing crisis mitigation or we're doing crisis um, aversion. We're just trying to get away from this this pain or this drama point at that exact moment. I do it in my own life, whether it's my—I my, well, don't really do it in my professional life because I don't really have to. But in my personal life, I'm not a very— not a big fan of conflict. I mean, I don't I don't shy from it when it comes to my front door, but I don't go fucking looking for it either. Um, I got better things to do than than you know be a drama crank queen king, whatever you call me. I don't know. Um, anywho, I I don't know. I, I I don't get it. But the 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 crisis aversion um, perspective is, is you know it's a it's an interesting defense and. You know, I'll give Joe credit during the debate. He did a very good job at, at kind of sidestepping that and, you know, knowing when to throw his punches and 
not getting caught in his gaffes. And, and Bernie just was a little slow in the corner. If it was an MMA fight, it would have been over in the first round. Uh, I would have had Biden with the, the tap out. Biden would have tapped Bernie out in no time. There were a couple of points in the debate. I don't know if it was camera angle or what, but Bernie's posture was rather, you know, aggressive. And so I wonder, it didn't work for Bernie in the debate last night, but what will happen when it's Biden and Trump? I mean, made for TV. It, it, the question will be, can Trump paint Biden into a corner and make the gaffes stick? And can Biden come equipped and have the quick recall of the presidential gaffes that have transpired during the first term and and pull those punches to, to Trump? And how will the public react? You know, ultimately, I think when you pick a Joe Biden, you get you give the Democrats somebody that they can all rally around. Even if it's the progressive left, they, they know that they need to bide their time until the next election cycle in which they can compete. But in the same breath, and you heard Sanders say it on the debate last night, he will do anything he can to defeat Donald Trump. He has a, a personal vendetta against Trump. And, you know, again, I'm not going to get into this. I just... I think a lot of it's rhetoric um, and a lot of it's propaganda, and I don't really believe that Bernie feels as impassioned as he does, but I also don't believe he likes the guy either. I think there's a true disdain for the President of the United States, uh, regardless of who that is. And see, that's a very grown-up thing to say, that we don't get to say that often. Most of my listeners are old enough to remember that if you were on the other side of Barack Obama, if you were a Republican during the eight years in which Barack Obama was president of the United States, you basically did exactly what you're claiming that the media and the left are doing to you now. And that is, there, Barack Obama could have literally shit a rainbow and at the other end of it was a treasury full of trillions, and someone would have found a problem with it. Um, much the same as they do with Donald Trump. And I think Trump's just better equipped for it. I think Barack was such a gentleman, uh, such a mature individual, maybe, maybe too educated for the position in that he didn't sink to those levels of disdain and, and discord. Instead, he rose above it. I mean, there was that famous line from Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high. And that's, that's great. And, I, and trust me, it, it's something we should be teaching our kids. It's something that we should be implementing into our own lives. But there's also something to be said for a scrappy fighter who comes out of the corner and, and defends himself. And like him or hate him, Trump is the, the latter of the two descriptions there. Barack Obama was definitely the, the statesman, the mature, diplomatic politician. And, and Trump, although he claims to not be a politician, he's a straight-up politician, um, owned by his lobbyists and in complete control of his party, much the same as Barack Obama was. Um, the problem is as we saw with the general election in 16, there are more Democrats than there are Republicans. There are just, I dare I say, I won't say smarter. I'll say there are more, at least through the last election cycle. And what is shaping up for this one? There appears to be more strategically inclined Republicans than Democrats. They may outnumber the Republicans. They may have a louder voice than the Republicans. They may win the popular vote as Hillary Clinton did in 2016. However, it seems like the Republicans, at least this time around, and who knows what 2020 will bring, but at least they seem to be more strategic in their approach. And what I mean by that is they're, they're very smart in how they're allowing things to hit them, how they spin it, how they, you know, basically the nickname the Teflon Don is very applicative to Trump. There are some things that have transpired during his presidency that would, you know, make any former president quake in their boots. However, through excellent spin and, and his, his overall multimedia persona, 
he's like the Teflon Don. Nothing sticks. And, you know, and he, and he did have the, the economy to, to clamor about, and that was great. And, you know, I feel, feel good about the economy's ability to rebound when this is off. The question is, not to drag too, back, too far back into the beginning of the podcast, but the question will remain in regards to the economy. Do I believe it is strong enough to rebound? Yes, I do. Do I believe that there is an expiration date on when that can tr- transpire? Yes, I do. And what I mean by that is if the epidemic, if the, the pandemic continues to rage on and markets continue to falter, excuse me, oh, I yawned during my own podcast, there is going to be an opportunity for, or there's going to be a time when, um, you've hit what we would deem in economics critical mass when your time out of succession has eclipsed your ability to recoup. And, you know, as somebody who's invested in the market, I, I, I hope to God that we don't, that we don't get to that spot. Um, and I don't feel that the, that the economy is weak. I just feel that any economy across the, the world, regardless of its political, you know, foundations, whether it's socialistic, communistic, um, or democratic, I feel that any economy that has, that takes such losses has an expiration date. It can only do it until it can't do it anymore. And my hope is that the U.S. economy is as strong as I believe it is and can rebound from this as strongly as I think it will. So we'll see, you know, time to be told. So let's talk about other things. So I said I was going to share a couple of funny stories with you. Um, it, it is going to tie back to the beginning of the, the podcast. I, um, I went into the grocery store twice this weekend. Um, I, I alluded to the first time when I did my podcast with um, Joelle Pavone from the Causeway Street Podcast, which you can download on iTunes. And um, I had told him that I'd seen a guy that had a cart full of toilet paper and Yada, yada, yada. Long story short, I, I, I threw out a threat. I mean that threat. Um, if you are within the sound of my voice, go on to iTunes or StitcherRadio.com, iHeartRadio, um, Pandora, TuneIn, Google Music, wherever you digest podcasts, you'll find my podcast. And for my album cover, I use my face. Look at that face. Study it. If you see that face and you have a cart filled with a single item because you are a crazy fucking deranged hoarder slash doomsday prepper, I am so flipping your cart in the fucking aisle. I am flipping it like, literally, I will lock eyes with you. I will slow creep in, grab that bottom thing, risk the coronavirus on my hand, flip your fucking cart and probably tick your shoulder on the way by. Because that, to me, is the epitome of fucking stupid. I went to the grocery store. My son had to open a market basket in New Hampshire on Sunday morning. He was there Saturday night until close, and then went back Sunday morning. Saturday night, when he got in the car, I said, hey, what was it like? He said, dad, there's no pasta. There are no canned vegetables. We had to put Tupperware where the toilet paper went because there's no toilet paper. There's no paper towels. The produce section is empty. I said, you've got to be shitting me. And he said, no, no, no. This is what happened during the day on Saturday. And I said, wow. I said, all right, well, I'm going to, um, did the market restrict any of the purchases? No, dad. No, they didn't. So then I went online. I started looking and none of the major chains were restricting uh, purchases over the course of the weekend. So I think to myself, you know what? I got an idea. I'll go in on Sunday. I'll just get, you know, a couple of things I need. Just, you know, I'll buy a package of toilet paper. I'll buy a additional dozen of eggs. I'll buy, you know, I I forget what else the fuck I want. I think I want bagels. Um, I shit you not. I went into the fucking store. Still no toilet paper because there was none to restock, because the morons cleaned them out to include the back room and anything that they had at their warehouse over the course of Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It was ridiculous. No canned goods, no nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, 
I, I posted on Twitter, I said, you know, for the doomsday preppers and the, the hoarders out there that felt the need to, you know, buy all the toilet paper, I hope that you feel sufficiently prepared for the incomprehensible diarrhea that you are preparing for. Fucking idiots. First off, diarrhea is like an occasional, sometimes associated, and we're talking, you know, not prominently, related symptom to the coronavirus. So why the fuck are you buy? Who needs 144 rolls of toilet paper for 14 days? Let that sink in. If you have to self-quarantine, or if you're in a mandatory quarantine, for two or three, I'll go on a limb and say a month. How many rolls of toilet paper? I have a, fam- I have a house of six people. Four adolescents, two adults. Do you know how many rolls of toilet paper we go through in a month? Mind you, two of the, two of the six are women, four men. We go through, on average, six rolls of toilet paper a month. Six. That's it. Just six. Who the fuck needs a whole goddamn grocery cart full of toilet paper? Now, hand sanitizer, there was a story on, I caught it on Google News, but there was a guy uh, out in Kentucky who, or Tennessee and Kentucky, whatever, dude and his friend decided to go out. As soon as they heard about the first case in the U.S., they went out and started hitting every Dollar General and Dollar Store and Grocery Store and Costco in their local area, and they ended up with almost 18,000, 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. So they thought they were going to make a quick buck. They thought you could buy the $2 hand sanitizer and turn and spin that shit for like 12 bucks on Emma. That didn't happen because by the time they were done with their little purchase spree, Amazon and eBay and other online auctioning sites, to include the Facebook marketplace, had already gotten smart to other idiots trying to do this. There was a couple in Canada that did the same thing with toilet paper. Long story short, dude's sitting on 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer now and no ability to sell it other than like a newspaper article that he could put in the classifieds stupid stupid on so many fucking levels it's not even funny but that's the world we live in these are the these are this is what the people around us are doing in fear of this buying canned goods and when i say canned goods the only cans that were left the only cans that were left were yams pearl onions um pickled beets I mean, you know, shit, you, if that tells you anything, if that tells you anything, it tells you to know more than anything that even in a worst case scenario, doomsday prepping type of setup, people are still not eating canned yams, pearl onions, or beets, which, you know, it is what it is. It it just, it, it threw me for a loop. I saw it and I was like, oh, it's so... So gross. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else that's really happening around the world. I did download and create a TikTok account. Um, Not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. I was using it as another um, means to see what what entertains people. What you know, it's definitely outside of my my age range, and that's fine. Um, I think the last two things that I want to talk about in tonight's episode in no particular order, uh, would be a vacation that I'm looking to take later this year. Uh, that's, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that I kind of expand on and talk to you a little bit about, share a little bit about where I like to go and the type of vacations that I like to take. And lastly, something that you can do during this social distancing, time to yourself opportunity that we're all being presented with out of necessity um, as we progress towards the end of this being a, a tremendous uh, time suck and, um, you know, fear moment for us as a, as a species or as a, as a community. Um, so first, vacation. So I like to go on vacation at least once a year, and I always go for a week. I typically go one of two ways. Um, I can tell you with clean authority 
you could not pay me enough money to get on a fucking cruise ship. I just have no interest, no desire, no want. Um, as somebody who's not a huge risk taker, I'm not into, you know, I already hear about three or four stories a year about, you know, whether it be the norovirus, E. coli, listeria, you name it. These boats are petri dishes for pathogens. It's not my idea of fun. Um, so ex on the cruisier. So I don't like to do those. Now, I like to go one of two ways. I either do like a five-star resort where I'm treated like a motherfucking king for the entire week um, to a destination island somewhere in the Caribbean or... If I'm really just burnt, you know, and we've talked about this in my other podcast, being in sales, it's my job to talk to people. I have to talk to people all the time. Um, so sometimes when I have my downtime, my quiet time, if I'm not doing a podcast and talking about something I want to talk about, I typically try not to talk. So another vacation opportunity that I have for myself is I have found an out island in the Bahamas that I like to go to. Um, who else goes to your island, Joe? Well, it's not really my island, but thanks for asking. Um, people that have been there this year alone, uh, Lenny Kravitz, Nicole Kidman, Keith Urban, uh, Kylie Jenner, uh, Kendall Jenner. Uh, did I say Lenny Kravitz? Lenny Kravitz, Martha Stewart, CeeLo Green. So that's a nice... It's a nice list of A and B list stars. Um, I never see, I see them maybe one day out of the entire week I'm there. There are really technically two islands when I think about the island that I like to visit. It has a small upper island. And that's where you find a lot of those 8 and 10 bedroom, 17 bath mansions that are on the beach. That's it's great, but I don't have, you know, $27,000 a night to spend on you know, a palatial villa on the water. What I do is I rent like a two-bedroom bungalow on the sand on the main island, and I like to be on the Atlantic side. And I do that for a reason. I typically go in the fall just after hurricane season, but before Thanksgiving. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, nobody vacations at that time of the year, which is perfect when you want a secluded. If you're a couple, great romantic opportunity. If you're a single, great, you know, privacy type of setting. In either case, I'll rent the house. I know that 20 minutes from that house, there's a fishing village. So any day I want to get in the car, drive 20 minutes, I can go meet the, the boats as they come in from their day of fishing and buy my grouper and snapper and lobsters right off the boat. I mean, they were swimming hours before I bought them. And I bring them home, cook them up, good times. Um, I kind of like that setup. I like having no agenda. I like waking up in the day, in the morning, catching the sunrise over the Atlantic, which the house that I like to rent is on the Atlantic side. Second reason I like to rent from that side of the island versus the Caribbean side is the Atlantic side has the trade winds that run up it, so you don't ever get no seams or any type of bugs like that. And and then, you know, if I want, at the end of the day, I'll finish it on one of the Caribbean-facing beaches with a beer in my hand watching the sunset over the horizon. It's it's heaven on earth. I've, um, I've rarely spoken the name of the island because I don't want to spoil it. However, um, you know, it, it's an island that's had a very phenomenal history. I mean, at one point, if you want to go way, 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 how far are you going back, Joe? We go way back. Um, you go way back to, like, the... 1600s when the protestants were seeking uh, religious freedoms out of europe one of the islands that they landed on was this particular island and when they realized that it was primarily volcanic and and coral laden they realized that they didn't have a lot of um natural resources to to pull from however they did find a half mile deep by quarter mile wide uh, cave. And actually, believe it or not, a lot of the first inhabitants of the island were actually lived in a cave. Um, shortly thereafter, the island, you know, over the course of the next couple hundred years, the island kind of changed a bit, became dull pineapples, golden pineapple, um, primary farm island, I guess you would call it. Um, 
And then, you know, it started bringing in tourism. There was a five-star Club Med built on the island. There was an Arnold Palmer-designed golf course resort on the island. And then in 1999, um, Hurricane Floyd, which at the time it was churning in the Caribbean, was a Cat 5 storm, um, took a direct hit on this leeward island that typically does not take the brunt of hurricanes. They're typically to the east of this island or they're well within to the west of this island. So they rarely do they take direct hits, but this one, Floyd, was a Cat 5, and it basically fucking leveled the island. Um, There is no more Arnold Palmer Golf Resort on the southern tip of the island. There is no longer a Dole Pineapple Farm and Factory on the island. There is no longer a five-star Club Med on the island. Um, The island was basically wiped clean, much like we saw with some of the smaller uh, Caribbean islands during the last active hurricane season. So long story short, um, over the course of the next 20 years, uh, 21 years, people started to build um, smarter stronger homes, cinder block based, and the island has become more of a residential rental type of island than a resort. Is there are there a couple of small boutique like resorts on the island? For sure there are. Absolutely. I mean there's small hotels, there's small but my thing is I don't want to go to a fucking hotel. Like I, I wanna go specifically with this island, they have rules. The island is a hundred plus miles long and just over a mile wide. So that gives you just over 200 miles of potential beach area. The, the rule on the island is if you get to the beach and you look to your left and you look to your right and you, don't, and you see somebody, get back in the car and go to another fucking beach. So at the time of year I go when the population is at its lowest, let me tell you, never have you ever been more secluded yet safe in your entire life. So I'm in the process of um, identifying a home that I want to rent on the island this year. I've, I, you know, I've rented a couple of different ones over the course of the last 10 years of going to this island. Um, and I think my next one, I want to be a little bit um, closer. Like I'm always on the beach, but I'm usually like across the dirt road and up on a bluff. Um, there are a couple of actual on-the-sand rentals that I'm looking for when I go out. And we'll see, you know, how this coronavirus impacts international travel. Because technically, going to an island nation within the Caribbean is considered international travel. So, you know, fingers crossed I don't have to book that until we get a little bit further along in the year. And so I'm good with that. And then, you know, lastly, I wanted to talk about some things that you can do uh, during this social distancing and, and self-quarantining time frame. Um, don't get me wrong. Not lost on me is the levity of the situation for many, many part-time workers, many full-time workers, many restaurant and service industry, hospitality workers who are now without a job and are questioning where that next paycheck is coming from. They have a lot on their plate. Um, we all have a lot on our plate, but some of us are better prepared for something like this than others. And I think, you know, First and foremost, if you are, like I am, in a situation where um, this isn't impacting you financially, per se, but a small donation or an act of kindness can impact somebody who is struggling, um, I say go balls out. Find an opportunity in which you can help. Do, Do no harm is the Hippocratic Oath. Um, we should be taking an oath as a species, as, as a community, as a, as a country, to, to make sure that we help those that need help. Um, so my, you know, whether that's donating to the American Red Cross, whether it's donating to your favorite charity, or whether that's somebody you know, or even somebody you just follow on social media that's going through a tough time, reach out to them, be kind, um, be sympathetic and empathetic to their situation. If you are in a position to assist, assist without expectation. Assist without want. Just assist. It'll be appreciated tenfold. You'll never know the impact that you have on somebody or that you're making on somebody. But trust me when I tell you, the impact is going to be great. The people are going to be appreciative of it. 
it's it's really ultimately the best thing that you can do as a person. Um, so if you have that opportunity to do that. From a, a self-wellness perspective, now's a good time. If you are asymptomatic and feeling good and you're stuck in your house or you're temporarily you know, laid off or out of a job due to this, this uh, pandemic, why don't you use this time to do well on your own? Maybe you're into crafting. Maybe you're into sports. There's no professional sports or amateur sports to watch, but that doesn't mean you can't go out and play them. Doesn't mean you can't join a softball, well, maybe joining a softball league is probably not going to happen given the social distancing, but hell, I got a hoop in my yard. Send me an email, braindroppingspod at gmail.com. I'll let you come fucking shoot hoops with me. I will destroy you like Steph on a hot streak, but, you know, knock yourself out, whatever you want to do. Um, I'll out-dribble you. I, 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 I'm sorry. I mean, God didn't give me the additional eight inches of height that I was looking for. He capped me at 5'11". But had he let me be 6'6", 6'7", I swear to God I'd be in the NBA. Man, the ball in my hand is like second nature to me. Um, however, at 5'10", and not really the best um, speed moves for a white guy... I'm a post-up shooter at best, and at 5'10", I'm, I'm eating that ball 9 out of 10 times with a decent defender on me. I know my place. I know my role. I'm staying in my lane. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't go out and shoot hoops. doesn't mean you can't go out for walks or go for a run or um, do something that benefits others, you know, whether it's setting up a donation uh, station or whether that's reaching out to people in your own community, the elderly, those that are, are housebound, that are looking for some sort of, you know, personal outreach. Maybe, you know, you figure out how to use a Facebook portal or, you know, uh, teach them how to FaceTime so that way you can have some live interaction with others without having to literally share moisture molecule droplets and, and contract a, a disease or expose somebody who's at high risk to a disease. Um, do whatever you can. Do no harm. Try to be good to people. If you do find yourself going out and you're in a drive through I implore you to implement the pay it forward method. Take care of the coffee in the order of the person behind you in line. You'll never feel better than you do in that moment as you drive away with the understanding that they're rolling up to the window and being told it's already taken care of. You're already long gone. You're not going to see the expression. If you're one of those fucking hyper attention whores that has to see the expression, then do it at lo- in London. But you shouldn't be going in the store anyway. So just use the drive through take care of the fucking person and understand that sometime down the line, karma may come back and help you out. Um, but yeah, use the time productively. Productively, I guess, is the underlying uh, statement that I'm trying to drive home. You know, whether it's getting more educated on a subject matter for which you've not had the opportunity, the time, or the inclination to, to get a deeper understanding of, or whether it's some sort of physical activity, you can take a negative and turn it into a positive, but it has to start with you. It has to start and be initiated, and there has to be a drive to do it. I know you can. Because I'm doing it, and if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm no one special. Um, But be good to each other. I'll be dumping another podcast here in the next couple of days because, let's face it, folks, without fucking sports, I got nothing going on. Um, I'm going to keep trying to get some of these uh, guest co-hosts to jump on with me. Maybe I shouldn't. I put all my my, uh, fish in one barrel for that that one particular host who hasn't, or co-host, guest co-host that hasn't responded to me, but that's cool. I mean... I get it, sort of, not really, whatever. I'm a little hurt. You could say I was butthurt. Um, but I'll end up getting somebody. It'll be fun. You never know. I might reach out to the great Tom Cotter again and uh, try to get him out on the, the air now that I can figure out how to do the fucking audio. That would be nice. And uh, I will continue to create content for you to listen to. As always, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast as well, You can find the Brain Droppings podcast wherever you consume podcasts. I don't really care what the venue is. We've made sure that this podcast is available from iTunes to TuneIn, Radio.com to iHeartRadio, Stitcher to Pandora. Where there is a will, there is a way to find this podcast. All I ask is that you subscribe so you're notified when I drop a new one. Because if you've listened to me over the course of the last year plus, sometimes I fire them off like no one's business, and other times I take a three-month hiatus. So... Uh, I really do appreciate the letters of encouragement that I'm getting through my email. That's at braindroppingspod at gmail.com. Again, it's braindroppingspod at gmail.com. 
reach out, say hi. Also on Twitter at Joe Choquette, C-H-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E. Again, reach out and say hi. Um, always here to have a good debate with anybody. If you want to be a co-host, shoot me an email. We'll talk about it. Let's see if it's a match and we can go from there. Till the next episode, I wish you all good health, good wealth, and be good to each other. See you later, folks. I spent 20 years trying to get